How's everybody doing today? We are in part two of 144 hours, a sermon series I started Wednesday. So if you weren't here Wednesday, don't know what to tell you. No, we, we recorded it. It's online. They won't be live, but they'll be online, online for you. So you can go out and check that out online. But we've got a special guest, a couple special guests here today. And it's my dad and Heather right over here. This guy right here. Wave, Dad. That guy. The better version of me over there. And, uh, nope, my best friend. Um, and when, he, when they entered in the United States, when they, they drove down, and I said, welcome to Freedomville. <laughs> welcome, welcome home. <laughs> glad, that, glad that you're here. And uh, so today, um, we're going to jump into part two of this series, but... I want to set the scene a little bit for maybe those of you that missed or not quite sure what this series is all about. Um, we are walking the road with Jesus, walking up to Easter, to the resurrection of Christ. But we've got to go through a lot to get to that point. So on Wednesday night, we, we started the journey where Jesus and his disciples are going to Jerusalem together to celebrate Passover. Passover was the biggest celebration of the year. Pilgrims would come from all over to come to the temple and to celebrate the Passover. And now the Passover, if you don't know what the Passover is, if you've read Exodus or haven't read Exodus, the Passover is the defining moment, the last stitch effort to bring out the Israelites out of bondage, out of 400 years of slavery. And so they had something to celebrate, don't they? Amen. So they're all heading that direction. And on the first day, Jesus shows up and he says to his disciples, hey, go find a donkey, actually the colt of the donkey, and bring it, untie it, and bring it to me. And if they ask you why you're stealing the donkey, well, you're borrowing the donkey, just tell them the Lord needs it. And that's all that will need to be said. So then they untie the donkey and this has this triumphal entry. We call it Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is the official Palm Sunday, but I'm sorry, we already preached on it on Wednesday. Um, we have this amazing, imagine all of these people Jerusalem is the most crowded it will be all year long, and they start yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they start throwing their, their outer garment, their coat on the ground, and palm branches, and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the highest. This triumphal entry that was spoken about 500 years and even further, even before that, but look what it says in Zechariah 9, 9. And you can take notes. There's a way on the back of your bulletin. If you want to take notes today or on your phone, I encourage you to do that. But it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the full of a donkey. Imagine this scene. He's not coming in with his 
army. He's not riding on a white horse. He's lowly, humbly arriving because in 144 hours, he'll be crucified for you, for me, for all of mankind. And so today we're going to talk about what happens the next day, Monday. So let's stand for the reading of the word today. Mark 11, 15 to 17. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, they entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Lord, Speak to us, even now, about what and why you got angry and why you did this. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. You can be seated. Jesus got angry. Not a popular thing to say. Have you ever been angry? I feel like Mr. Uh, Mr. Rogers a little bit. Have you been angry? We've all been angry before, right? But did you know that Jesus got angry? This is maybe a surprise for a lot of us, maybe not very popular because we're talking about Jesus, right? The guy who healed the blind man, fed the 5,000, brought Lazarus back from the dead. Gave grace to a bunch of imperfect disciples. Even let Peter walk on water for a little while. And much, much more. Same Jesus. Same guy. You know, saying Jesus was angry is kind of an interesting thing. And maybe we've got to talk a little bit about some different types of anger. Right? Number one, there's rage. Slam the door, yell at someone in traffic. <laughs> Some guy kicked my car at Walmart last week because he was so mad. It was pretty awesome. I'll tell you more about that later. People are crazy. So there's this rage, hang the phone up, yell. Cuss, right? That's what we say down here. Or swear, where I come from. You're cussing. Rage, that's number one. And then there's repressed anger. Something that we keep inside, we keep inside, we keep inside, and then one day it just... And then there's number three. And then this is where Jesus comes in. Righteous anger. Righteous indignation. 
It's an annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. Have you ever been mad about someone being unfairly treated? And I don't mean what maybe you perceive as unfair, but you just mean like unfair. This is just totally like when you see what's happening in Ukraine, you have a righteous indignation. The Ukrainians are not perfect, but they, do, they should not have this happening to them, right? I think we can all agree on that, unless you're crazy. No. But we have this righteous anger. And so on this day, Jesus has this righteous anger because of what's happening, this unfair thing, this thing that's happening at the temple. Now, I think a lot of times, too, we think, oh, well, I'm gonna, I have righteous anger, and I'm just going to be like Jesus. I'm going to start flipping the tables, knocking the chairs over. And really, we're not justified 99% of the time with what we call our righteous anger, right? Later on, we're like, yeah, that was dumb. I am not Jesus. I remember one time, I had some righteous anger. And uh, I was about 16 years old, and I got to church early for youth group, and there was some youngins, young whippersnappers, way younger than me. They were 14 and a half. And they were running through the hallways of the church throwing snowballs. I just, I kind of had some righteous anger well up in me. And uh, other than my dad and my wife, people would probably be like, you know what? Landon would probably do that same thing, but not that day. <laughs> I was righteously angry. They were throwing snowballs in the house of the Lord. So I'm like, okay, when he comes around the corner, I'm going to get him. So they're throwing these snowballs, and they're going all over the place, and there's two of them throwing them. So I'm like, I'm going to get him when he comes around the corner. <laughs> so one kid comes around the corner. I'm huge at the time, you know, for my age. <laughs> no, I was about his size or smaller, to be honest. So he comes around the corner. I'm like, what are you doing? I grab his shoulders, and um, meanwhile, his whole rear end area here, went through the drywall. Yeah, I was strong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 we made a hole about this big in the wall because of my, you know, that was my, that was my version of flipping the tables. <laughs> so I go and get the pastor, well, as the associate pastor, happened to be my cousin, and I said, here's what happened. You know, I was all, just, you know, they deserved it. And uh, I said, I apologize. I got a little out of hand. <laughs> These kids were throwing snowballs, and I put them through the wall. It was a proud moment. And now I'm a pastor, so watch your kids when they're running through the halls here <laughs> at the church. Listen, that was not justified, although it was fun for a moment. Right? We think, oh, well, I can justify my anger because Jesus... Got... No. 
So I want to talk a little bit, I want to break it down a little bit today, why Jesus was so angry, why he really caused this scene. He's coming, he's got this mission. Look, write this down if you can, I know this is a long point, but Jesus, number one, Jesus was angry because people were being distracted from the main reason the temple was there. Distracted. Everybody say distracted. Jesus was angry for all the right reasons. And it's no coincidence that this happened during Holy Week. Now, there's another instance, and they can't quite fit them together in John where he has a whip, and I, I really believe it's two separate, in, uh, two separate moments. But to this one in, the, in, these, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's the one we're going to talk about today. It happened during Holy Week. It happened during these 144 hours leading up to the cross. And Jesus knew the mission. He literally said it. In the same chapter in Luke where this happened, way up at the beginning. I want to look at this for a moment. Jesus was, was, uh, met this young, this shorter guy. And this is what he says to him in his home. Look, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are, those who are lost. And so Jesus knew the mission. It was very clear. It was very simple. He came to save those who are lost. And the mission that he came for was being, there was some distraction happening. And what a great moment we have right now to invite people. What a great moment we have to understand the Great Commission, the Great Mission, and that's to seek and to save the lost, right? Easter, hand out those cards, invite people to church. I remember um, a couple weeks ago, I was at McDonald's, and uh, there was a bunch of people at the counter waiting for food, and I just, I don't, I don't invite everybody to church, okay, but I was standing there, I'm like, you know what, I think they, I think they would benefit from being at New Hope Church, and I'm like, so I go over, hey, do you have a church? No, we don't have a church, we haven't been in church for a while. I said, come to church on Sunday. Guess what? They came. Amen. That's it. That's all you can do. Just invite someone to church. And to understand fully why Jesus knocked over the tables and chairs and stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace, we need to understand more about the temple. So, uh, Diane, do you mind putting that photo up of the temple? Uh, we have this, I know it's not perfect, but in the very center would be like the Holy of Holies. This is the temple, but then you see that giant courtyard. Everybody sees it? So during Passover, as we spoke about earlier, all of these pilgrims, all of these Jews, and then all of these Gentiles, a Gentile is just simply someone who's not Jewish, they showed up, and guess where the Gentiles were only allowed to be? In the outer court, the courtyard. That's it. 
they could be out there. The place of prayer, a place of worship. So you have all of these people, and maybe the very first time they get to show up at the temple, and what do they see of God's house? Buying and selling. And this wasn't just, we'll get into what that looked like. It wasn't just like, oh, they sold a, a hat to Dave Andrews. You know, this is a whole different situation. So they're showing up, and they, they're trying to pray. They're trying to like, hey, I want to know this guy. I want to know God. I want to know who the Jews have been talking about forever. And then they show up, and there's a bunch of animals. It's a marketplace. And that's the only place at that time that they may ever learn and know God. And so can you see just a little bit why Jesus is angry? And Passover drew the most crowds. So imagine people showing up at New Hope on Easter and people out just selling stuff and distracting everybody. And do you, I would be so mad. <laughs> I'm like, we're here to share the gospel. What are you doing? Do that stuff somewhere else. And how much more so Jesus seeing his place of prayer, his place that should be honored, his place where people can come experience God is being transformed into a marketplace, is being transformed into something that it was not built or meant for. Now, I wasn't planning on talking about this part, but what if we transition this to us? Now, do you see this? Can we put that back up? You see the temple? Guess what, church? If you are a follower of Jesus, you are now His temple. There's no physical location anymore that it's needed because now Jesus already had gone to the cross he rose from the grave. He gave us this gift called His Holy Spirit who dwells with us. And guess what, church? You are now the temple. Are you making the temple a place that you cannot even pray from? Are you making it a distraction or is it an honorable location for God to dwell and to do what He wants to do through you? I got one, that's good. I got one, amen. Thank you. So the first one, let's revisit that for a minute. Jesus was angry because people were being distracted from the main reason the temple was there. Number two, write this down. Jesus flipped the tables over evil intentions. Jesus flipped the tables over evil intentions. Listen, you're mad now about inflation? They were inflating the price on, so people would show up and they would want to make an animal sacrifice. Before Jesus was sacrificed for our sin, and, and make sure you read the Word and go through this and learn this a little bit more, but before that, you had to have an animal sacrifice. And then Jesus, as we're going to find out about 
144 hours from now in the message time, we find out that he was the sacrifice. And so, but they're going to the temple and they're going to make a sacrifice over Passover and it's going to be what they do. And people are like, hey, we can benefit from this. If they forgot their sacrifice, if they didn't pick it up on the way at like Walmart or get it shipped to them from Amazon, we're going to be right here at the temple. We got what they need. So like, let's say a pigeon, four pence, so like 64 cents our money, four, four of those, they would inflate it to 75, almost 20 times more. So you think inflation is bad. Jesus is flipping tables over inflation because of evil intentions. Like, well, we'll get them. We're the only spot in town. They can get their whatever sacrifice, sacrificial animal. Ever go to a movie? Same thing. Popcorn. Soda. Man, that pop does not cost $18. That popcorn does not cost. That's, that's ridiculous. But guess what? They tell you you can't bring your own food. And then you've got to buy their stuff. Inflation. Evil intentions. And they did this in this outer court area. They made it a marketplace. And Jesus says to them, this is my place of prayer for, everybody say all. All nations. They're hiking up the rate. Movie theaters are doing it. Amusement parks. You go to this amusement park and they're like, how is, the, how is that $30? We went to an amusement park. I'm not going to mention the amuse- amusement park. But the cup was $20. And they're like, oh, you get free refills. No, you don't. It's $2 a refill. And $2 is more than a normal one. So I just have to give up drinking pop. Or Coke, whatever you want to call it. They're taking advantage of people that don't know or maybe don't have the chance. And that is why Jesus is so angry. Imagine how angry Jesus is with people who promote things like abortion. An innocent child who can't take care of their self. And so he walks into the temple and sees dishonor and sees people who, with evil intentions, and then he probably sees the people he had been just ministering to, and it's like, wait, I just fed that guy at the feeding of the 5,000. He's a, new, he's a new one. And now look what he sees at my temple. Right? Imagine in our time. That's like someone gets saved and frostproof and they show up in New Hope and we never preach the Word of God. We never pray. We never worship. We just say, oh, we're going to sell you all a bunch of stuff. You ready? So number two, 
Jesus flipped the tables over evil intentions. Number three, Jesus knocked over the chairs for all of us. You're like, what are you talking about, Pastor Landon? Jesus knocked over the chairs for all of us. Now, obviously, Jesus was showing the people there what they were doing was wrong. But what I love about the Word of God is is that it passes through time, doesn't it? And even now in 2022, this is relevant. Jesus knocked over the chairs for all of us. And look what it says 700 years before this taking place in Isaiah 56, 7. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I love that God has this end goal. It's not just going to be about the Jews. Even 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah is talking about all nations. In Mark 11, Jesus says, my temple will be a house of prayer for all nations. Isn't it amazing that we're all sitting here in little old frost-proof Florida with people from all different types of backgrounds, right? You look around for a second. We've got lots of different people in the room. We may all, except for a couple, we may all be American. My dad's Canadian. We may, but guess what? We're all from different places, different homes, different countries, different nationalities, different ways of thinking. But guess what? Jesus is saying, still for everybody, all. No one is exempt from God's grace. No one is exempt from the good news. No one is exempt from him wanting you to be at the temple and pray. It's for everybody. Everybody say everybody. For all nations. So he flipped the chairs for all of us. Imagine the thousands of people that were there in the temple. And hopefully some of them would have heard him say this because it probably would have been loud and busy. He didn't have a microphone. But I'm sure he got his point across. And his challenge to them was to keep holy what's holy. Imagine if you're a parent and you have some sort of moral failure in your life or some sort of addiction and, and you become a believer, you follow Jesus, and you're like, it's stopping with me. Whatever that moral failure is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that sin is, you're like, you have this righteous anger, you're like, it's going to stop with this part, this line, and it's not going to go to my children, to my children's children, to my children's children, children's children, children. And how much more so is Jesus trying to help us understand with his righteous indignation, flipping over the... <laughs> Imagine that scene for a minute. There's, there's coins going everywhere. 
right? You got Jonathan just running around on the ground trying to, <laughs> trying to grab stuff. But Jesus says, no, no, this is why I'm angry. Jesus didn't just get angry. He didn't have rage because he was perfect. He didn't hold back because he was perfect. No, no. When the time was right, And Jesus is making a declaration. Let me read it for you one more time. Mark eleven seventeen. He said to them, this, and he's probably a little bit out of breath, right? Because he is 100% man too. He's like, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Church, let's transition a little bit to us. We are now the temple. Have we been turned into a den of thieves or are we a house of prayer? What will we be? In the uproar of buying and selling and bargaining in auctioneering, prayer was impossible. My dad was telling me a story last night. He went to his church, and he tried to go find different places to pray, and they said this was the prayer room, and he's going all over the place. And every place that he went to pray, there was a distraction. But prayer in that marketplace was impossible. And that's what made Jesus so angry. Even if people wanted to show up here and pray, no one can pray. Even if people wanted to show up at New Hope and worship, there'd be too many distractions. Not really. I hope not. So one, are we a distraction to others? Are we distracting who we're supposed to be? Prayer was impossible at the temple. Those who sought God's presence were being prohibited from it and from the very people of God's house. Now, we didn't talk about this, but this was set up by the priests. They're like, oh yeah, go make us some money. They would, they would people would show up with their... Um, Men had to pay like two days wage for the year for their temple tax each year. And so they said, hey, we're only going to take this currency. And so they, if they have not changed their money over, that's why you hear these, when, when you read this verse, you're talking about exchanging money and money changers. Hey, if they come in here, we're the only ones exchanging money. So inflate the price. So when they exchanged the money, they would lose all of this money, and all they're doing is coming to pay their temple tax at the time. Imagine if at New Hope, they're like, hey, you can pay your tithe, but it's got to be in our currency, and we're going to charge you 20%. People were being prohibited, and they were gaining from this. It still happens in churches all over the place. So church, 
Can we stand this morning? I want to challenge you with a couple things. Are we are we a distraction? Are we prohibiting people from hearing the good news? Or are we promoting prayer? Are we promoting the gospel? Are we honoring the temple? Or are we dishonoring the temple? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says it this way. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. And so maybe today, even as we just close our eyes for a moment so we aren't distracted, maybe today we say, it's time for a change. If Jesus was looking through the temple of your life, is he going to be flipping over tables? Are we distracted by everything other than God? Money in. Or we say, you know what, it's time to honor. It's time to give more honor to the Word of God. It's time to give more honor to prayer. It's time that we get rid of the distractions. It's time that we start flipping over some tables in our life. It's time that we start pushing the chairs over and say, not me. Not now. I will honor God. I will honor the temple that He's given me. Lord, I thank you today for each individual that's in the room. Lord, and that, that we wouldn't leave this place unchanged, God, but that we would be challenged to honor prayer, to honor you, to honor the house that you gave us, to honor the word that you gave us. And when I say house, Lord, I mean our soul, our body, our mind. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would grab on and see why you flipped the tables, why you had that righteous indignation, and why you're challenging us in this very moment. I pray for each individual, Lord, if there's anyone who needs healing in the place, Lord, you're our healer. You're the great physician. We pray you heal us. Lord, if there's any marriages that are struggling, Lord, we pray, God, that you would lift them up, that you would reunite them, that you would bring them close to each other as they come close to you, God. We pray for our children. Lord, the world has an agenda against our kids and so Lord I pray that your agenda would be strong in our homes and we'd flip over some tables if we've got to delete some things if we got to take away a device we'll do it in Jesus name and the church said amen come on can we celebrate today come on church we'll flip over some tables this week